0: First of all, my name is Jordan. I work with the high school students here at Seoul Sanctuary and it's an honor to share with you uh, this morning. If you're wondering why the atrium looks like a storage locker, why we're advertising every radio station, and why your chair probably smells like progies and beer, it's because it was the Ukrainian Folklorama Pavilion this past week. And uh, they had this place completely transformed and uh, we do our best to transform it back uh, for a gathering here on Sunday. This. Coming week, uh, you can come right back here every night of the week uh, for the Irish Pavilion. Um, And actually, while we're on that note, at the end of the gathering today, um, these pavilions they rent from us. Uh, We generate rental income by folkorama people streaming through here. So one of the things that we would like to do as a community is just reach out and uh, be a blessing to the people who are renting this facility. At the end of the gathering, we're just going to stack the chairs like normal. And if you can hang around for a minute or two, if you're able-bodied to do so, we have a whole stack of tables that you couldn't miss right here. And I think another stack over here. And what we're going to do is just put these tables out and uh, line them uh, for our renters. And it just helps them as they transition over. I think their first show is at 4.30 or something like that. So just take a load off their shoulders. Um, Yeah, for no no other reason other than to show Christ's love. Uh, With that being said... Um, if you are new to our community, we just want to welcome you again and sit back, relax, take it all in. And uh, we say come six times in a row because it's always something different. For example, your chair smells like Progies and beer today. Uh, but there's always new experiences here at Seoul. So we say come back six times in a row and uh, see what we're all about. Uh, if this is your home community, uh, you do call Soul Sanctuary your home. I just want to highlight something, draw it to your attention. Uh, this year um, we're running Wildlife Camp, which is our, grade, our our camp for grade 9, 10, 11, and 12 students. Um, and we are absolutely stoked about it. It happens in two weeks. It runs for a week out at Manhattan Beach and Retreat Center in Ninette, Manitoba. It's 45 minutes south of Brandon. But if you know somebody, a grade 9, 10, 11, or 12 student who needs to meet Jesus this summer, sign them up for camp. If you know a grade 9, 10, 11, or 12 student who just needs to have a good week this summer, sign them up for camp. These forms are available at the Welcome Centre. In the same respect, uh, we are still looking for a couple more sponsors. I know I spoke a couple weeks ago and threw it out there, and a handful of you came forward. Uh, But we have a record number of kids attending camp with us this year, which also means a record number of sponsorships that we need. So it's $270 to sponsor a student to camp. If that's something that interests you, uh, over and above your ties and offerings. You can put your $278 in an envelope right on it. Wildlife camp, throw it in the joy basket. uh, Or you could find me at the end of the gathering, and we can easily arrange that. Uh, Camp changes lives. It is an incredible opportunity, and uh, I'm behind it 100%, and I hope that you can get behind it with me. Before we go any further this morning, let us pray. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your love for this community. We thank you for a building that can be open seven days of the week instead of one. God, we just thank you for all your provisions. And this morning we ask that you speak to our hearts. God, that something from this text sticks out to us and changes the way we live our everyday lives. That is our prayer. In your name, amen. Open your Bibles with me, or follow along on the screen to the book of Matthew, chapter 9. We are moving through the book of Matthew as a community. We have been in it since, uh, we're almost coming up on a year, and we're nine chapters through. This is kind of how it works here at Seoul. We pick a book of the Bible, we work through it, no matter how long it takes. Um, If you're new here, you should be thankful that you weren't here for Genesis, because that was forever. But the book of Matthew, as we were slowly plugging away through it, um, it's been an adventure so far. Uh, We've seen the the birth of Jesus moving into Jesus' ministry and him beginning his ministry. And we're kind of at that beginning threshold point right now where Jesus is really just starting to do some really incredible things. And today we look to chapter 9 of Matthew, verses 9. And uh, the subheading in your Bible will probably say something along the lines of the calling of Matthew. And this is how it reads. You can follow along on the screen. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Yet when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but the sinners." This is quickly turning into one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And I think that usually happens the more I study a passage to preach on, it becomes my favorite. Uh, But but in this instance, Jesus calls Matthew, who we know as the disciple Matthew, to follow him. And, And this is a monumental moment in the gospel, but more importantly, in the life of Matthew. Pastor Jerry, the lead pastor here, he has this thing. He opens up the gatherings uh, sometimes, and he says, Good morning, saints. Good morning, sinners. Okay, that worked perfectly. For where we are going this morning... Good morning, sinners. If you view yourself as a saint this morning, which is probably no one, because nobody said good morning back. uh, But if you view yourself as a saint, a good Christian person who likes to hear uplifting and encouraging sermons, uh, that's all fine and good. But today is not for you. Today is for the rest of us. Today is for the good morning, sinners. Good morning. This is for those who identify more as a sinner than as a saint This is for the messy ones. This morning is a passage that will speak to you and will speak to me, the sinners. And our desire for all of you sinners today is that you can grasp the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Maybe you're sitting here in church this morning. Maybe you're new here. Maybe you come every single week. But maybe you feel like you don't belong Maybe you look around and you say, nobody in this place knows what I did last night. Nobody knows what my week looked like, the amount of sin that I have. Maybe you are on a dangerous path and you know it. And you're right about at the point where you're going to get burned. Maybe you're caught in a bitter dispute with a friend that has gone on and on and on and on. Or maybe you are in conflict with a family member. Or maybe you've watched a ton of porn this week and you're sitting here sweating right now. This is your opportunity where Jesus reaches out to you and he says, Hey, as long as there is life in you, as long as there is breath in your lungs, I want you there is an opportunity for you this morning. We pick up the passage, Matthew 9, 9. And Jesus has just performed a miracle where he heals a man, a paralytic. Pastor Jordan McClellan spoke about this last week. He heals this man, but he also forgives his sins. And in doing so, he's not just another teacher. He's not just another healer. He's actually claiming to be the Son of God. And there's little nuances that we're going to pick up here. And Jesus is just walking. He is out and about his daily life. He's walking in secular space. He's not in the temple. He's, he's in nowhere special. All he's doing is passing the tax collector's booth. And as he does that, passes the booth, he sees Matthew, and he tells Matthew, follow me. And Matthew gets up and follows Jesus. If it was that easy, we have no understanding of what goes on other than the scriptures text here. And, and in fact, we don't even read into it because this is the important thing. Matthew gets up, leaves his booth, and follows Jesus. Matthew's call to follow Jesus didn't come at some big Christian revival meeting with 10,000 people. It didn't come after hearing a tearjerker of a sermon. It didn't come after hours on his knees searching which religion was the right one. He was just at work collecting taxes like he did, and the call of Jesus came upon him, and he got up and followed Jesus. Jesus. So the question is for you today, wherever you are at, are you going to respond to the call of Jesus or are you going to run away from it? You have the option to either embrace the will that God has for your life or to stand up and walk in the other direction. We can't underestimate the significance of this passage because our divine creator takes on human flesh. He takes on the appearance of a man and he comes right to Matthew exactly where he is at and meets him. And this is a pure result of his great love for us. And not only does Jesus reach right into Matthew's life, into his daily life, but he recruits a tax man. Jesus recruits to his cause a moral untouchable. And this is going to bring somebody in here hope this morning, because tax collectors were betrayers who worked for the colonial Roman power at the time. They were Jews who collected taxes on behalf of Rome. And in doing so, they made themselves rich. Because if your taxes were 10 bucks, they charged you 20 and took the other 10 and put it in their pocket. Tax collectors were in the same bracket as murderers and thieves. This was the bottom rung of the societal ladder. In fact, they were debarred from even entering the synagogue. This is who Jesus is dealing with here. And this gives us hope because it shows us that God uses broken people. Jesus' calling on your life does not depend on your merit. His calling for your life depends on his generosity. There is nothing that you can do to earn his call, to work your way for him to be able to use you, to get pure enough, to get good enough. It doesn't work that way. His generosity spills out of his nature and he says, I want you and I want you. And I want you, and together we are going to change the world. Jesus could have gone to the synagogue, could have found himself a well-dressed, well-educated, comes from a good family, Jewish boy, but instead he goes to where nobody else would go. He goes to the tax booth, and he says, Matthew, follow me. And that's exactly what Matthew does. We p- pick, move on to verse 10. Jesus is now having dinner at Matthew's house. This story moves pretty quick, if you haven't caught that. We go from the tax booth, and now we're at Matthew's house. So whatever happened in the middle has got to be pretty profound for us to get to Matthew's house, because Jesus is at Matthew's house, not only with Matthew— But with all of Matthew's friends, you are, or you you usually hang out with people who are like you. So Matthew's friends, in this case, tax collectors, and as the scripture says, sinners, are sitting around the table with Jesus, and Jesus is hanging out with them. And and if in this story you're like, oh, you know what? I need to hang out with more tax collectors and sinners. Then you're missing the point, because you are not the hero in this story. You are the disaster. I am the disaster. We are the tax collector and sinner. Jesus Christ spends time with us. Jesus Christ leaves a seat open at the table for us. And we need to shift our perspective so we can always remember the fact that we are saved by his grace and that there is a spot right at the table, right at the table for us. We continue on in the passage and we hear something from the Pharisees. The Pharisees ask the disciples, Why does your teacher eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus gives a response. It's funny, the disciples are asked, but Jesus is like, okay, hold on a second. You guys can answer that, but let me step in and let me speak to the Pharisees for a second. And if you've been here over the course of the past couple weeks, and if not, you can go back and watch it all online. We've learned a lot about who the Pharisees are, and we've learned a lot about their nature and their very important part in the story of Jesus. And the Pharisees in this instance are coming at Jesus and saying, why? Why? This is the bottom rung of the ladder, Jesus. These people aren't even allowed in the synagogue, Jesus. And you're going to heal people and forgive people's sins. Well, don't start with these people, Jesus. You should be in the synagogue where we are. But Jesus did not come for the saints, He did not come for the ones who have it all together. He came for the sinners. He is the great physician who has come for the sick. And the sick are the sinners, and the disease is our sin. And Jesus recognizes that, and he calls it out for what it is. We are sick people. I, I like to pray with people I don't know, and, and for some of you that might strike you as really weird. Um, and it gives me a perfect opportunity with people uh, to just share about how Jesus has changed my life, and and to share uh, the good news with others. And there is rarely, rarely, rarely a time that I have ever come across where I ask somebody, is there anything that I could pray for you? Might be the barista at Starbucks, or might be somebody in a restaurant. Is there anything I can pray for you? And rarely do they reply, nope, nothing. My life is perfect and great. I've had more break down full in tears in the middle of the Starbucks, and you're like, oh, what do I do? Uh, Then I have had people say, no, my life is perfect and great, because we recognize something. We recognize that we are sick. Richard Foster is an author, a Quaker author, um, and he he actually wrote a book called The Celebration of Discipline. If you're a Christ follower who's looking to get deeper in your faith, and you just need some super practical applications, it's The Celebration of Discipline. Write it down. He's going to take you on an incredible journey, but Richard Foster, in other news, said we are not sinners because we commit sinful acts. Rather, we commit sinful acts because we are sinners. As human beings, we could admit that deep down something is broken. Turn on the news yesterday and see that deep down in our humanity, something is broken. There is sin. And we sick people need A physician. We need God. We need a Savior. And that's exactly where Jesus Christ enters the equation. Jesus, speaking to the Pharisees, the religious elite who are more concerned with their outside appearances than they are with their actual devotion to God. And he appeals to both their common sense and their sense of religiosity in his answer to them. He says, hey, I hang out with sinners because they need God. You obviously don't in this case. They need God. And then, appealing to their religiosity, he quotes from the Old Testament. From the book of Hosea, chapter 6, verse 6. Simply, he says, go and learn what this means. In fact, he, he schools them. He says, no, 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 pack up, go away, and learn exactly what this means. I desire mercy not sacrifice. And when we look back to the context of Hosea in this specific instance, we're looking at the people of Israel who are caught in a vicious cycle of presenting sacrifices to God for the sole purpose of sacrifice. God reminded them that their hearts were more important than their religious actions. And Jesus is essentially looking at the Pharisees and saying that I want your heart, not your willpower. I want your humanity, not your spirituality. Jesus makes his point very clear because he's teaching a compassionate identification with the alien, with the other, with the person that everybody else has rejected. Sacrifice, on one hand, calls for an act of will and separation from others. When we look into the Old Testament and explore sacrifice. And the the Pharisees would have been well familiar with that. But mercy, on the other hand, which Jesus desires, is an act of the heart and seeks identification with others. The Pharisees were ultra-spiritual, and they kept the laws that had been outlined. And they were really good at doing it. But in doing so, they built themselves up while crushing the other with moral religiosity. I told you earlier, I work with high school students. And as everybody knows, high school students have no problems whatsoever. Every now and again, I have a really well-intentioned intention- well church person will come up to me. They'll say things like, you need to have stricter dress code regulations at your youth group uh, because the students who show up show too much skin. Or they'll say things like, you need to have a talk with that student because I heard them out at coffee time and they swore Or or, or they'll say, I followed this student on social media, and one night they posted a Snapchat that they were at youth group, and then the next night they posted a Snapchat that they were at a party. And if we can learn from Jesus' call to Matthew, he doesn't say to Matthew, go get your life together and then come follow me. He simply says, follow. Step one is an act of obedience and then trust placed in Jesus. That he is going to take us places that we haven't been before. That with him we are going to see things and experience things that we would never have experienced without him. And old habits die hard. Think about this for a minute. Matthew's job was collecting taxes. The food that Matthew put on the table, the very food which Jesus was consuming, was the food that was purchased with the money that Matthew had acquired by scamming other people. And there they sit together at the table. And while there's a place for rebuke and correction in the context of a youth group or in the context of a church, and trust me, I have those conversations every single week, Wildlife Youth is not a youth group for kids who have it all together. It's just like Soul isn't a place for all the saints, it isn't a place for nice Christians. It's a place where broken, hurting, lost, and sick teenagers can discover the grace of God and respond to Jesus Christ's calling them to follow me. So she was wearing a pretty low-cut shirt. That's right. Well, praise the Lord, because at least she came out wearing one. Did he really say that word? Well, praise the Lord, because it's a lot better than what he called me his first night at youth. Were they at a party, and they posted it on their Snapchat? Well, praise the Lord, because the snaps that they used to post were only of them drunk. And when you teach morality without grace, you crush people, especially students. And in doing so, we become exactly like the Pharisees. It's not about changing what people do. It's about changing the desires of their heart. It's about changing their affections. It's capturing their heart and showing them that Jesus is so much better than anything they could have experienced without him. Romans 1, 6, it says, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. It is the power of God that brings salvation. It isn't the rules that I set out for you to wear shirts that suffocate you. It is the power of God that brings salvation. He works through us. His Holy Spirit moves through us so that we can affect this world and bring about a real, genuine, lasting, and eternal change. Can somebody say amen? Amen. There is nothing better. I will tell you there is nothing better in this life. Actually, there's two things. First thing is when somebody experiences Jesus for the first time, and you see it in their eyes, a newfound understanding of who Jesus is. Right up there is the moment when a young person understands that they do not have to earn their way into heaven where they can understand that, you know what, I've had a terrible week and I have messed up, but that's not the life I want. In fact, I want to pursue Jesus, and every day I'm going to wake up and I'm going to battle the flesh. And they realize that his grace is enough and that his grace will sustain them through every step of the way. I tell you, when you see a high school student's eyes light up because they understand that, it'll break you. We're short and sweet this morning, and I'll call the band to come back up. And I will actually call the prayer team up. We'll probably use just this cross. But I have a question for the Christians in this room. Are you going to answer the call of Jesus? And are you willing to follow him wherever he will lead you? Or are you going to sit around in a safe, comfortable Christian community? And go to church on Sundays and drive into your garage and close the garage door behind you so you don't have to talk to your neighbors who don't believe the same thing that you do? Or are you going to go out on mission to which you were called and reach those who don't know Jesus? Are you going to choose to stay content in your comfortable Christianity? Or are you going to put your life on the line, put your reputation on the line in the hopes that someone may come to know the good news of Jesus Christ. Some of you have been doing church for a really, really long time, and you have to give your head a shake in the nicest possible way and identify what is your next step. Where are you going to serve? Where are you going to give? Where are you going to get plugged in Who are you going to talk with? Who is on your list that you know is dying and is sick and needs a doctor? You will do anything in your power for the physically sick. Think about this for a moment. You will spend every dollar that you have to care for the sick ones that you love. What lengths are you willing to go to for the spiritually sick? There is a city... Outside of these four walls, which is spiritually sick, dying and screaming for help. Are you going to answer that call? Are you going to show them that they need a Savior and that that Savior's name is Jesus? You have to ask yourself your question. And if the answer is not, I'm going out, then it's give up your seat. It is about people. Jesus came to reach sinners like me. Jesus came to reach sinners like you. And none of us are good enough for God. Even Paul, the guy who wrote a massive chunk of the New Testament, he said, I'm the chief of sinners. I am a disaster. But by God's grace, I can have a change in this world. And the Holy Spirit moving through me and affecting those that I deal with in my everyday life. And look at his legacy. You're sitting here today because of it. If you don't know Jesus this morning, this story from Matthew 9 is for you. The book of Ephesians 5.14, it says, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. The call of Jesus starts with an invitation. Follow me. He has invited all of humanity to enter into a relationship with him, and he has invited you right here, right now, to enter into a relationship with him. And as your heart longs to know him more, as he becomes the center of your affections, you draw closer to him, and he takes you on, trust me, a wild ride. The pursuit of Jesus becomes foremost in your heart, and it replaces the pursuit of everything else that the world has to offer. Today is your chance for Christ followers to stand up to answer the call of your hurting city, of your hurting neighbors. And today is your chance for those, if you don't know Jesus, to meet him, to stand up, to seek him, and to leave your sin behind you. Would you bow your heads with me? I'd be amiss to to preach a sermon on Jesus calling Matthew to follow him without giving an opportunity for us to respond here as well. So, Christ followers, if you call yourself a Christian, if today is the day that you choose to break free from the reins of comfortable Christianity, if you choose to pursue Jesus wholeheartedly, then as a simple act of surrender to Him, and obedience to His call, I'm gonna count to three, and you put your hands in the air this morning. Jesus has called you to go and make disciples, and he has put the church here. He has put you in this building, the church, and surrounded you with a body of believers, the church, to empower you and to help you identify your next step. Maybe your next step, you've been a follower of Christ, maybe it's to get baptized and invite your friends and family to come to church on a Sunday while you get baptized. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe it's taking a school ministry class in the fall that teaches you how to talk to people about Jesus if that's you this morning would you raise your hand one two three if you are a follower of christ who needs to break free who needs to start living awesome you guys put your hands down and those who've yet to meet jesus that stirring in your heart is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the good news. The Holy Spirit nudging you to take a step of obedience. Commit your life to following Jesus. And if today is the day that you choose to make Jesus the Lord of your life, when I count to three, I encourage you to put up your hand. Step out in faith saying, Jesus, I know what you have in store for me is so much better than where I am now. Today will mark a defining moment in your life where you'll look back and you'll say August 13th, 2017 in Winnipeg, Manitoba at a Folklorama pavilion, I met Jesus. One, two, three. You can put your hands down. If that was you this morning, I want you to pray this simple prayer with me. Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to know you more. I surrender myself, and I choose today to follow you with everything I am. Amen. Your forever starts today, whether you are a Christ follower or a brand new minted Christ follower. Your forever starts today. I invite you to stand with us. If you accepted Jesus for the first time this morning, come here on the left and we have some pastoral staff and prayer team and just tell one of them that you accepted Jesus and they are going to give you a welcome to the family high-five or hug and then they're going to help you get connected to this life-giving community called Soul Sanctuary and in the same respect if you've been a Christian for a while and you have no clue what your next step is then as the band sings this song I encourage you to come over here as well and ask Ask a pastor, what is my next step? I'm here. I've been stuck here. Can you pray for me so that the Holy Spirit fills me and I can move from where I've been stuck for oh so long? Hands went up across this room today. So I encourage you to move. And if you have to stand in line for a minute or two, then stand in line because your forever starts today. Let's give... The glory to God this morning. And now it's time to share it, that good news of Jesus. If you had a relationship with, or if you have a relationship with Jesus, the easiest way to tell somebody is just to tell what Jesus has done in your life. Before Jesus, this is where I was, and then I met Jesus, and after Jesus, this is what I've found. And I encourage you as you go from this place today to share with somebody the light that shines through you. And in times of old, the one giving the blessing raised their hands and the ones receiving their blessing did likewise. So if you'd like a blessing here this morning, would you raise your hands? May you go from here with the knowledge that Jesus Christ has called you to follow him. And may you go from here with a passion to follow Jesus Christ, the one who has called you. And may you go from here with a heart to show others that Jesus Christ loves them. And may you leave this place in peace, knowing that Jesus loves you. And as you go from here, remember that we'd like to bless our renters by setting up the folkorama tables. Be blessed, and we will see you next Sunday.